What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to dive into a concept that I've adopted and, and have been implementing with a lot of my clients this past year, and even something that I did in the past before I prepped for my fat loss phase, um, but just some general kind of boundaries and things that I want you to think about before you jump into a fat loss phase or before you want to try and intentionally lose weight. Now, I would say a majority of the people that come to me for nutrition help and in guidance, you know, have an overarching goal of like, hey, I want to lose weight. Like a majority of our population, if you were to ask, what is the primary goal that you're working towards when it comes to your health and fitness? Like a lot of people are, are in the market to lose weight or, or to lose fats. And there's a lot of plans and programs and people and companies out there that market towards that, right? Like the diet industry as a whole is really focused on helping people lose weight. That's what a lot of people want. And, you know, to be honest, like there's a lot of things that help people lose weight, but our country doesn't necessarily have a weight loss problem at the end of the day. I, I'd argue that our country has more of a, you know, weight loss, um, sustaining that weight loss problem, right? Like people maintaining that, that drop fat over time. Like that's, that's where the hard stuff comes into play. And that's where people really struggle. Like the act of you losing weight is a really difficult process. Yes, but it can be done. And a lot of people over their lifetime lose a pretty significant amount of weight, but a lot of people tend to gain that weight back and maybe plus some over time as well. So you can see over people's lifetimes, there's a lot of weight fluctuations. And, you know, at the end of the day, like losing weight is one thing, but keeping it off is another. And we've talked about this a lot on this podcast before. And I would say a majority of the clients that come to me for nutritional help and guidance and workout programming, like a lot of it is geared towards body recomposition or or losing fat, right? Like looking better naked and feeling more confident in your skin and and all the things that you know, might come with you losing weight and, and feeling a little bit better. So when it comes to losing weight, I find that there's a lot of ways that people can do it. And a lot of times people try a variety of different things to lose weight, but I want to take kind of a different approach and maybe expose you to maybe some different practices and habits and some things to think about before you go into your next fat loss phase or <clears throat> before you try and go lose weight. And a lot of it is not done with the intent of losing weight. It's more done with the intent of, of doing things that are going to make losing weight easier, but also maintaining that weight loss a lot easier. So a lot of things that I'll do with my clients is before we go into a fat loss phase is we'll kind of come up with our pre-fat loss checklist is kind of what we call it. And this might look different for everybody, right? There's some, some things that maybe more individualized or, or nuanced to yourself. But there's a list of five or six things that I want to talk about today that I would want you to implement into your life or your routine before you intentionally tried to cut calories or tried to lose weight. And before I dive into those things, I just, I want to make it known that I'm not sitting here and trying to make fat loss harder for you, or I'm not trying to give you more rules, right? Like, I've just seen time and time again that you know the most successful people when it comes to losing fat and when they maintain it, they're doing the things that we're going to be talking about today. 
you know, sustaining a calorie deficit is really fucking hard, you know, and and instead of just relying or focusing on willpower, I want you to focus on the shit that will actually make you need less willpower, right? Like, like I'm at a point where if you're not doing these things, like it's going to be really hard for you to attempt to lose weight and to get to that goal weight that you're shooting for. But again, the most important part is is maintaining that weight loss once you do actually get it. So if you've tried in the past to, to lose weight and maybe you've been unsuccessful with it or maybe you've been unsuccessful with keeping that weight off, this is a podcast that I, I want you to listen to and I want you to keep listening to. And if that's not you and you're just listening to today's episode and you aren't in a place where you want to lose weight, like these are also things that you could do and double down on that will make you likely a, a healthier person and and create kind of a lifestyle that is conducive to you living lean and being happy and healthy in the long term. So take everything today, you know, you might be doing some of the things that I talk about, you might not, you might be doing some of them inconsistently and the goal today is for you to get to do those things a little bit more consistently, but be honest with yourself, audit yourself and really just really just see you know, what areas of your life can you improve on that's going to make this whole fat loss thing a hell of a lot easier for you. So, you know, when it comes to, let's say I have a client who comes to me, I want to lose weight. My goal is to lose 20 pounds by this date or whatever that goal might be. A lot of times when I start working with a client in the beginning, we're not dropping calories on day one. Like that's just something I very rarely do, nor do I I think that I've ever actually done that. But the reason for that is one, I I always like to get a basic understanding of what that client is actually doing so we can make adjustments and, and help kind of fit, you know, their lifestyle, um, or fit some of these new goals and habits around their lifestyle and things they are doing now, instead of completely, you know, picking them up, them up and putting them into this box of rules that might not actually be conducive to their day-to-day routine and their lifestyle and, and their behavior. So a lot of times we have to meet people where they're at, right? And, and part of that is building awareness around what you're doing day-to-day and things that we could do to improve on what you're already doing well or things that you might not be doing, you know, super well that we can improve on. And a lot of times, you know, when I talk about big rocks, when it comes to losing weight or being a generally healthy person, you know, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of polarizing opinions and black or white statements in the health and fitness space. And when it comes down to it, everything depends when it comes to reaching a goal, like you getting to whatever destination that you want to be, it depends on a variety of factors. And a lot of times people make it seem like there's one thing or one piece of information that you haven't heard about or you aren't doing right now that is going to get you to where you want to be. When in reality, like there's a fuck ton of things that will likely need to be in place for you to get to where you want to be. And this is kind of what this list is all about is like the big rocks that I keep talking about, the things that I want you to double down on and the things that I do in the very beginning with my clients to ensure that we have a lot of these things in check so we can make something that's already hard, maybe just a little bit easier, right? And we could be a little bit more efficient with that fat loss phase and we can get in and get out. And then being able to maintain that weight loss long-term is also the goal. Kind of the the thing that I think gets missed a lot of times when people are pursuing fat loss is what they're going to do after they actually lose the weight. I don't think people give as much attention 
in, in time thinking about that. So part of this pre-fat loss checklist is like, let's double down on the behaviors that's going to make losing weight easier. Okay, that's one. But these things are also going to be things that you fall back on once you lose the weight and once you increase your calories up back to your new maintenance and, and spend some time exploring and figuring out where those new calorie ranges are. These are also going to be the things that you fall back on that you continue to do that will help keep that weight off long term. So the first thing that I, I I feel like I talk a lot about, but I can't talk enough about is sleeping. Like sleeping is so underrated, especially when it comes to fat loss. Like you not sleeping more than six hours a night, some people seven hours a night, if you're not getting at least seven consistently, that can have a whole kind of domino reaction of, of how you feel throughout the day and how you feel can 100% influence how you adhere to whatever it is that you're doing day to day. Now, one of the things that I want you to think about is like, hey, most people need generally about seven to nine hours of night. I think that's a very blanket recommendation that you'll see a lot of people recommend. Also a recommenda- recommendation that I will give to people as well. But sleeping seven hours is hours a night is different than being in bed for seven hours of night. And one of these kind of check boxes that I want to give you and I I like to give people is I want people to be in bed for at least eight hours per night. Okay. Now there's something called a sleep opportunity, which is, you know, your opportunity to get an X amount of hours per sleep per night. And usually people only sleep 80 to maybe 90% of the time that you're actually in bed. So if you're in bed for seven hours, that does not equate to you getting seven hours of sleep. You're probably only getting six hours of sleep or maybe five and a half hours of sleep, which is, which is way different than you actually getting into bed for eight hours a night or nine hours a night and actually sleeping seven of those hours. So there's kind of this misconception that like, hey, just because I'm in bed means I'm getting that much amount of sleep per night. And that's not necessarily true. Like you might get up in the night or you might be moving or you might be um, waking up periodically throughout the night. And I know a lot of this firsthand just because I've been tracking my sleep with Aura Ring. This is not a plug for Aura Ring, by the way, but I've just been curious and, and have tracked my sleep for almost a year now. I plan on making a podcast episode here in the next month or two on things that I learned from that experience. But one of them is I don't sleep as much as I think I do, right? And getting into bed for a minimum hours per night gives me the best opportunity to get at least seven hours of sleep per night. Now, again, that doesn't happen every night and people have fucking lives and kids and and, and jobs and careers and all these things that, yes, can prevent you from maybe getting, you know, eight hours of sleep every single night, every day of the year. Like, to be honest, that's probably not a realistic expectation that you could put on yourself. But what I want you to start wrapping your head around is like, can you get into bed physically for eight hours a night? And that's going to give you the opportunity to get at least seven hours a night. And that's where that minimum kind of amount of sleep comes into play is like, hey, you getting seven hours of sleep per night you're going to feel drastically different and better and you're going to recover better. You're going to have more mental clarity. Maybe your appetite regulation and your hunger signals are going to be more regulated. Like a lot of really awesome things are going to happen when you're getting at least seven hours a night. But one thing that I want you to add to your checklist is can you be physically in bed for eight hours a night? And that that doesn't mean looking at your phone for two of those hours while you're in bed for eight hours, right? It's like 
head to pillow, trying to be in bed for eight hours a night. And that's going to give you a good chance to be able to get enough sleep per night, which is going to be important for not only fat loss, but everything else in your life, to be honest. So that's one thing that I find that we're not very honest with ourselves about. Like a lot of people think we sleep enough and sleep often and and sleep really well. But until you actually track sleep and, and you, and not saying that you need to get like a wearable or anything to track actual data from your sleep, but, you know, actually tracking, hey, how many hours am I in bed, you know, and how consistent am I with that? And what does my Monday night look like to my, compared to my Saturday night? Like you start to get some valuable feedback and you can make adjustments from there, but that's really something that I want you to be doing before you try and cut weight, while you're losing weight, more importantly, and then obviously forever being able to continue with that routine. And that might look different for everybody, right? Like some people get done with work really late or working out late because that's the only time they could do it and then they get into bed some people might be able to implement a nighttime routine or a morning routine and to be able to get into bed at a specific time every single night. So create that routine for you, but I really want you to try to get in bed for at least eight hours a night with the goal of sleeping seven to nine hours a night, okay? So that's number one, really important. Sleep is always gonna be something that I talk about with my clients on the podcast, on my social media. It's just it's very underrated and it does play a huge role in, in your fat loss efforts or your muscle building efforts or you just being a generally healthy person uh, throughout your lifespan. So get enough sleep, make that a priority and, and include that on your checklist. The next thing that I always like to include is for people to get at least seven to 8,000 steps a day. Now, for some of you, you might laugh at that and be like, oh, I get that in my sleep. You know, I get 10,000 steps every single day because my job, I'm a teacher or I'm a waiter and I walk around a shit ton and I I look at my watch and I have 11,000 steps every day. Cool. That's not everybody. You know, the reality of it is a lot of people sit at a desk a lot. A lot of people work from home now. A lot of people have really chaotic days where they're glued to the computer And if we actually tracked the data on all those steps, like some people might only get two to 3000 steps a day. And when it comes to, when it comes to getting steps, you know, getting steps is beneficial for a lot of things. You know, one of them not related to fat loss, I would argue is good for people's mental health, right? Like if if you're that person that I described who sits in front of the screen all day, who maybe works from home or works a stressful job or or does a lot of charting or whatever it might be, like chances are you unplugging and getting outside for a period of time and walking, like that's going to be super good for your mental health, right? Like there's just no doubt about that. So I find that mentally this benefits people a lot because you forcing yourself to get up for a walk or to, you know, take breaks or to pace while you're on the phone or to park farther away from the grocery store or doing extra laps in the grocery store or taking the stairs when you can, like you intentionally trying to get to, you know, 8,000 steps a day, taking the dog on a walk a couple times a day, like going out with your wife after dinner sometimes, like that is really underrated, one, for your mental health, but two, it's also going to be good for your heart health if we're being honest, like you getting a little bit more cardio in, I wouldn't call that a high intensity cardio at all, but you know, you getting more steps and it's going to be good for your heart. It's going to be good for your mental health, but it's also going to be good for your energy expenditure. It's going to tip that energy balance equation more in your favor. Like you more active is going to be easier to lose weight than you being more sedentary and less active. Like, cause what that means is if you're getting three or 4,000 steps on average throughout the course of the day, 
your calories might be lower. Well, they probably are going to be lower. And that's going to make adherence a little bit more difficult when maybe we tip that that energy balance equation more in the favor of eating more food, but also eat um, expending more energy by going on more walks intentionally. That can make a big difference for people. And it's it's also something that I think everybody needs to do. Like it's, it's I'm not going to say it's not hard. Like, yes, it's fucking hard, especially for a lot of people where you have kids, you have the pets, you have your dog. Uh, sorry, you have your job, you have your you know wife and spouse and responsibilities and all these things. But when you really look at it, like what is going to give you a really positive return on your investment in a lot of areas of your life, like getting more steps and being a little bit more active in over the course of the day and, and just getting that step count up is going to be so important. Again, from a pre-fat loss checklist, you maintaining that. So if you needed to increase calories, sorry, increase your steps even more to 10,000 or 11,000 steps per day while you're in your fat loss for a period of time, it's easier to do that instead of you jumping from 5,000 steps a day up to 12,000 steps a day. Like that shit's not going to happen for most people. And the act of you intentionally trying to get more steps in it might be hard at first, but it's going to be easy to maintain that in the long run because like anything that we do that's hard in the beginning, like that usually gets easier because you're more accustomed to doing it. You've built systems around being able to implement that more consistently. And that's when things get easier. It's not that it's not that hard things just become easy for you. It's just because those hard things are continuously going to be hard, but they become easier for you to hit when you've changed and adjusted your lifestyle around that to better meet those goals that you set for yourself. So I would say 7,000 to 8,000 steps a day is a good starting point for most people. And it's kind of that bare minimum that I would recommend you trying to get to as you get into your fat loss phase. Because again, it's good for your mental health. It's going to be good for your heart. It's also good for your energy expenditure and you just getting outside, maybe getting more sunlight, maybe connecting or bonding more with your, you know, with your kids or your dogs or any family member. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to educate yourself more listening to a podcast, listening to a book or listening to music and like being able to have that form of like an outlet for stress management purposes. Like there's so many benefits that come from walking and getting a certain amount of steps per day. So I really would, I just want you to make that a priority. And that's something that I would include on this pre-fat loss checklist as well. So it's going to make all the difference in the world if you can implement that and do that consistently. So Cool. And, and maybe if you're getting seven or 8,000 steps a day and that looks like you getting up to nine or 10,000 steps a day, like that's the goal. Like all of these things, like take everything that I am giving you today with a grain of salt and, and, and look at that and compare that to your routine and your lifestyle right now. And you make adjustments that fit your life instead of these blanket things that, you know, you might not actually be realistic for you in the beginning at least. So keep that in mind talking about the food and nutrition side of things, you know, when it comes to losing weight, we have to be in a calorie deficit. Like, I don't, I don't know if anyone's not heard that before, if that's a new information to anyone, but in order to lose weight, you need to be eating less calories than you are expending day to day. And this is where I think food tracking could be an amazing tool. And that's oftentimes I would say 90% of scenarios with new clients that I bring on who are trying to lose weight, that is the track that we go down. Because I think I think food tracking can be a really positive experience, especially if you're working with somebody who 
who can help navigate you through that process. Like a lot of people have negative experiences tracking food or macros or calories because they try and do it alone and it's very difficult or their their parameters or the restrictions that they're putting on on themselves is far greater than what needs to be implemented or you know people in general just trying to to you know white fist it and just go with the flow and and do it to the best of their ability like you can get burnt out on that very quickly unless you're taking into consideration like what are the things that we're trying to get out of food tracking instead of just not eating over a certain amount of calories and part of the thing the reason why I love food tracking is it helps build awareness around our eating patterns, but it it can help us identify and visualize what it means to build an athlete's plate or build a weight loss plate or how much protein you're eating throughout the course of the day and what your goal is, right? And, and how much four ounces of chicken looks like and what a cup of rice actually looks like and, and how much fiber you're getting over the course of the day. So food tracking when done correctly and, and and when done in a positive headspace could be one of the most powerful things that people can do. And, and I, I, I really feel passionate about that because you'll hear coaches and people out there who shit on tracking and say you should never do it. And, and a lot of times I find that those people had negative experiences with it. And to be honest, I would probably feel the same way if I had a negative experience with my tracking but I didn't. And it's such a powerful tool. And and there's so many ways that you can utilize tracking, right? It's a spectrum. Like you can track everything, your sleep, your steps, your macros, your calories, like, you know, literally everything you track down to a T or you could track nothing at all. Like imagine that's the spectrum. Like we can live somewhere in the middle or somewhere in the 75th percentile of that or in the 25th percentile of that. And there's there's different things that you could do to make tracking look different, more conducive to your life and not frustrate the hell out of you or, or make you go crazy. So with all that being said, one of the things that I would encourage is and include on this checklist would be getting at least 30 grams of protein with all of your meals. Okay. And, and depending on how many meals you get, like I honestly don't even care about the amount of calories you eat. Maybe even the total grams of protein in the very beginning might not be relevant for some people if you're new to tracking, but Getting into this routine where you're eating 30 grams of protein every single time you have a meal is one of those things that I would want you to implement and to double down on to make sure you're doing. And maybe one-upping that too, if you're having snacks or things between your meals, like 15 grams of protein per snack, 10 to 15 grams of protein per snack could be another thing that I would add onto that if you are eating snacks or things between your meals. But 30 grams of protein at least with every meal one, we know that protein has a higher thermic effect of food, right? It's, it, it costs more energy for you to digest and absorb those nutrients compared to carbs or fats. So let's say you eat, you know, 100 calories from protein, you might only be absorbing 80 or, or you know, 80 calories from that, you know? So yes, you burn more energy trying to digest and absorb the protein, but it's more satiating compared to a lot of other foods and other macronutrients. I would say carbs can kind of fit that mold of having a high satiating component depending on what foods you're choosing. But protein in general is going to be more satiating per calorie than other macronutrients. So you're going to be fuller for longer over the course of the day. And again, if we look at some of the things that kind of get people off track or make adherence really difficult when you're actively trying to lose weight or have a fat loss phase, it's being hungry, right? Like being hungry is the thing that 
usually knocks people off of their wagon or leads them to binge sometimes or to overeat at certain meals. And it's that inability to regulate your appetite and your hunger cues that just makes it really difficult for people. And one thing that we could do to combat that or make that a little less severe or improve that is by making sure we're getting enough protein throughout the course of the day. And I promise you, if you can get 30 or 40 grams of protein at every meal, you are well on your way to hitting your protein goal when maybe you do double down and track calories and protein and, and, and add some more data that you're trying to track by the end of the day. But you getting in 30 grams of protein at every meal, it's probably gonna give you 90 to 100 minimum grams of protein per day, which a lot of people can actually be an improvement. So I really want you to think about how can I build my plate? Can I get a protein source? You know, I'm gonna talk about fiber in a second. What can I do to get more protein in over the course of the day? And you're gonna find that you're likely gonna be more satiated, a little more satisfied over the course of the day, not as hungry. And that's going to make being in a deficit easier when you're able to manage those hunger cues a little bit more efficiently. Let alone, you know, we got to bring in the muscle component side of things, right? You getting enough protein, getting enough amino acids from your diet will also help you preserve more muscle mass when you are eating less calories because inevitably you're going to lose some lean um, body tissue um, and muscle mass, organs, bone, like a lot of when it comes to weight loss, it's not only fat loss for people, right? Their total weight that you lose is a combination of water, you know, muscle, fat, a lot of different things. And, and one way that we can mitigate the amount of muscle that you might lose during a cut is by eating enough protein and giving your body enough amino acids day to day to be able to preserve that muscle that you have. Because let's be real, like a lot of people aren't in this game to lose muscle mass. Like that's not why people try and lose weight. A lot of people lose weight because they want to lose fat. So what's the best way we could do that? It's by getting enough protein in every day. How can we start getting enough protein at every single meal, 30 grams? And that's where tracking can come into play to you. Just teach you how to look at food, how to build a plate, how to get enough protein at every meal so we can start practicing some of those habits and and really rely on that when we get into a fat loss phase, but also come back to that and maintain that to keep that weight loss or that weight loss long-term. So I say protein. The other thing that I would want you to add to this checklist is getting enough fiber in, specifically like 25 grams of fiber per day or more. And I know that's kind of a range for like 25 might be the upper range or that range for females. Men might be closer to 35, 40 grams of fiber per day, but as a blanket recommendation, I would want everybody to shoot for at least 25 grams of fiber per day. Now, if we look at the benefits of fiber, it has a lot of different things that it could be beneficial for. One is digestion, right? Like helping you poop better, having better poops is always a good thing. Um, two would be gut health. Again, that's a very blanket and, and um, general term that you might hear in the in the health space today. But a lot of the things that you know, when we eat fiber, that isn't broken down like other food in our body and when it gets to our stomach and small intestine, it actually goes undigested into the large intestine and a lot of our good bacteria feed on these short chain fatty acids from those fibers that we're eating. So it feeds our gut back, good gut bacteria in a sense. Also, a lot of the fiber that we eat, whether it's from complex carbs or fruits or vegetables or seeds and nuts, like they also have a lot of other nutrients in them, like fiber foods tend to be more nutrient dense foods, which is a really big perk, making sure we're meeting kind of our, um, our minimum basis of a lot of these vitamins and minerals that we need day to day. 
Um, also fiber again, I think honorable mention is like helping manage or control your cholesterol levels. I think that's very underrated, but fiber again, if we go back to what's going to make your cut easier, how can, how can we make sure that you don't feel super uncomfortable when you're trying to lose fat and it's being more full, being more satiated and not feeling like you're ready to eat your fucking arm off at the end of the day. Like fiber is also a very high satiating food. Most of them that is going to help control those hunger and satiety cues and make it more likely for you to not be super starving or hungry when you go into meals or going throughout the course of the day. And, and when you're in t- week 10 of your cut, having enough fiber, having enough protein is going to make that easier. So I would argue that 25 grams is a minimum. Anything above that, I would also recommend, but see if you can get that daily. And that's, again, where tracking can come into play. And again, I, do, I don't want you to think about like, if you don't want to, tracking a bunch of calories or tracking you know, all the macros, like, yes, you can do that a hundred percent. And for some people I would encourage to keep track of that data as well, because that is also another important piece, right? Is like, what is your starting calories? Like, what does it actually mean to be in a deficit for you? How do we know that you're losing weight and, and eating low enough to make sure we're seeing that weight loss happen over time? Like that's all really important data to track and that's stuff that you can dive into and and focus a little bit more of your attention on when you do get to that point. But in order to lead up into that point, I find that focusing on getting enough protein, getting enough fiber, most people aren't doing that enough or consistently. And when you do that, ironically, what happens is you consume less calories over time. Like people lose weight by doing this before they even intentionally try and start to lose weight because they're when you double down and you're trying to get more fiber, more protein in per day, what can happen naturally sometimes is you're eating less calories because you're maybe you're more full. Another huge thing is maybe you're preparing more meals and snacks and things at home and buying more things at the grocery store instead of eating away from home. And you, you know, swapping the restaurant for your kitchen is always going to be one of the best swaps that you can do when trying to lose weight. And part of this checklist is like, hey, am I getting a protein? Am I getting fiber? It's sometimes it's really hard to get those things at meals, and unless I'm, maybe it's not that hard, but it's sometimes it's hard to control yourself or to want to do that when you're at restaurants. And and having more control and doing that at home can just make this process easier for you. And it teaches you to cook more, to buy more groceries, which ironically can also help you save on save money on groceries and the amount of food that you spend over the course of the week. You might be spending a little bit more on produce and proteins and frozen items and things like that. But I promise you, you cutting back three times a week from eating out, like you're paying for your groceries for the week because food is expensive as fuck right now. So that might be another perk, but I just, I want you to think about how can I build my meals? Am I getting a protein source? Am I having a quarter to a third or half a plate of veggies on there? You can add a starch on there, but get 30 grams of protein at every meal, get 25 grams of protein over the, or sorry, 25 grams of fiber over the course of the day even more 30, 35 grams, make that a priority and do that for a period of time. And you're going to love the way you feel. You're probably going to lose maybe a little bit of weight in the beginning, but those are the principles that you're going to lean on when you go into your cut and you're building your plates. But also 
forever, right? Like we got to remember like this sustainability piece, like how can we come up with a routine and practices that are going to make this easy to sustain long-term? And that's going to be one of them when it comes to food and building your plate. And you can transfer that knowledge and that familiarity with your meals to going out on, you know, a date night and like that principle of like, okay, what am I looking for? Well, I want to get a protein source. There's no veggies here. I'm going to order a salad before dinner or add that to my meal. And I can enjoy everything else, but I know I'm getting these two things and that will likely help you from overeating on some of those foods and might help you feel better after those meals. And that's the routine and the headspace that I want you to get into. Like, how can you continue to think about these things when you go on a cruise? And and I'm not saying you need to obsess over these things, but doing this enough, being repetitive with it, appreciating it and and making it a priority is going to make this easier to implement long-term, right? Like that's why people have a hell of a time maintaining their weight losses because the strategies and the things that they do to lose that weight is not even fucking close to what they do day to day. And that's where that disconnect lies is they go back to maybe what you were doing before or even a fraction of that. And that weight tends to come back quickly because what you're doing before made you miserable. It wasn't fun and it wasn't sustainable long-term. So these are the things that I want you to start building into your routine because that's likely going to be the thing that, again, helps you feel better it's going to complement your body composition goals, your muscle building goals, your fat loss goals. And it's also going to be really awesome for your health too. And it's kind of, it's just a trifecta of things that are likely going to reinforce you wanting to make these decisions when you go on a cruise or when you go on your vacation or when you're eating at a wedding, right? Like there's going to be times where you're eating a bunch of fun stuff and doing, doing things that isn't part of your normal plan. But the more consistent you are with these things, like the easier it is going to be to enjoy these other things and to make those decisions in the moment when it's more difficult to do that. So 30 grams of protein with meals, 25 grams of fiber per day. Those are the two things I want you to think about with your nutrition. Jumping back to kind of the fitness side of things on my list today, I wrote resistance training or lifting for two to three times a week. But I want to insert this, like whatever exercise or activity that you enjoy doing. I want you to do that two or three times a week and make that a priority. For some people that might look like going to the gym and lifting. Some people prefer like strength training, right? And doing big compound lifts. Some people like going to Orange Theory or F45 or Fit Body Boot Camp, like doing two or three classes a week. I'm 100% okay with that. You might even look like you doing a 30 or 40 minute HIIT workout from your favorite fitness influencer that you found on Pinterest or online. Like, is that optimal? And, and when we talk about people reaching their goals, like, like there's a difference between exercise and training. And when people want more muscle, want a better physique, like there's an optimal way to do that. But in this context that I'm talking right now is I want you to intentionally move your body and get a workout in whatever you prefer, whatever that looks like to you. And we can talk about the nuances of what are your specific goals and how many times a week do we need to train or work out and what type of exercise do we need to do? Is it more endurance? Is it, you know, more explosive stuff? Is it more hypertrophy based training? Like there are nuances and things that need to be addressed, but I just want to give people a blanket recommendation of like, get up and move your body two or three times a week for 30 minutes or more at a time, 30 minutes to an hour, maybe two to three times a week, commit to that. And I say whatever you want to do, because yes, on paper, there might be something optimal, but I always want the theme of today is like, how can we make this sustainable? And for you, if you know you going to your hot yoga class once a week, going to Orange Theory once a week, 
and going for a long bike ride or run or something once a week is sustainable for you and you enjoy that and that keeps you moving and you get excited to do that, I would take that every day of the week for you. Like if you can come up with a routine exercise that you can implement, that you enjoy, that you can follow through with, I think that's fucking great. And that's kind of the headspace that I want you to be in. Like ideally, if you could be lifting and resistance training and, and I say that because when you go into your fat loss phase, like right muscle tends to be lost when you go in a fat loss phase as well. But that can be kind of counteracted if you are resistance training or lifting because that's going to be kind of the best stimulus, like muscle retention stimulus that you can give to your body to preserve that muscle as you're losing fat, again, which is what most people want at the end of the day. But again, if if you're running or if you're doing some type of lifting at your, you know, local hit, you know, um, Orange Theory or hit kind of workout class, like boot camp style training, like I, I really do love that. And I, I can't shit on that. And again, the intent of this is like, how can we be healthy people, how can we lose fat efficiently? Be working out two to three times a week along with getting in bed, getting steps in, getting protein in every day, getting fiber. Like that with the exercise is just, it's gonna wrap everything together. And and really those are the, the five or six things that I want you to think about in prep for your fat loss phase. Now the other thing that I will say with that is don't do this for a week. Like give yourself at least a month and I know that sounds like a long time, but it's really fucking not. Like a month is is a is nothing in the grand scheme of things. But spend a month doing that, or even better, spend three or six months there. And you might find that you lose weight naturally by doing that sustainably. And you might love the place that you get to by just doing those things without you thinking that you're actually intentionally trying to lose weight. Like focus your energy and attention into performing these habits and behaviors, and that will likely result in fat loss or weight loss as a side effect of that, ironically. But when you want to be more intentional and double down and and rev that engine up just a little bit more, when you have all of these things in place, it's going to be easier to be more restrictive, to hit these numbers a little bit more consistently, to get in and get out and make this this whole process just a little bit more efficient because that's what the goal should ultimately be. It's not to think that you're trying to lose weight for the whole year. It's like, let's focus on our health and our habits and our behaviors. Let's spend a small period of time trying to actively lose fat. And then let's continue to implement those habits and behaviors that led to that fat loss, but that are also leading us to be a generally healthy person. And it feels really good and, and is really taking care of yourself. Because all of this is really just, it's nothing new, right? It's nothing, it's nothing revolutionary, but it's stuff that people don't actually do let alone all of those things together, right? Like some people might have perfect weeks. Some people might do two or three of those things a week and really fall off the train with two or three of the other things. And it's about putting them all together and creating a habit and routine around that. And your life is going to exponentially improve if you can prioritize that and make that happen. So I think I'm going to kind of cut it off here, but I, um, I just want you to to reframe your mindset and instead of always thinking about fat loss, think about the things that will make fat loss easier but will make fat loss more sustainable and and when you get to that new goal, like what identity changes did you make in order to get there and how can we keep that so you can keep that weight loss long term or you can keep that physique or that health or those blood markers, like whatever whatever health means to you, whatever goals that are important to you, 
you can keep that long term and and ideally maybe transfer those to your kids or influence the people around you right or be inspirational for other people in your life like a lot of the stuff that you're doing like yes you're doing it for yourself but you unknowingly are influencing other things around you so this is bigger than yourself sometimes i, I always say do this for yourself because nobody's going to do it for you but again a lot of the things that you do to take care of yourself can really make a difference in other people's lives as well so i don't know just just to recap our pre-fat loss checklist get into bed for eight hours a night sleep or sorry step um seven to eight thousand steps per day or more um, if you're not getting that right now, work your way up to that. Work on getting 30, maybe 40 grams of protein with all the meals that you eat. Maybe 10, 15 grams of protein per snack if you do have snacks. Work on getting 25 grams or more of fiber per day. And then I, I say resistance train, but get in whatever activity, intentional workout that you want to do for two or three days a week and spend a month to six months there. And then you are ready for your fat loss phase when you're ready for that. You might do those things and realize I actually don't want to go into a fat loss phase. I don't want to cut calories because I've created this routine and I've lost some weight and I feel better. My energy's up and my body's looking different. You might not actually want to try and lose weight after this because you love the way you look and feel after doing these things for a period of time. But just double down. This is going to make your fat loss phase easier. It's going to make keeping that weight off easier long-term. And that's the name of the game that we're playing right now. So I'll end it there. I appreciate you listening if you've made it this far. And until next time, remember to eat with a purpose, train with attention, and think with confidence as you work towards your own nutrition and fitness goals. Hope you have a good one today. And I'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.